If you're tired of the superficial and you're craving real conversation about life, relationships, fears, doubts, and the divine in the middle of it, this is the place for you. My name is Anna Dimmel, and I'm a blogger, writer, and former pastor. And it's my passion to build bridges, not walls, through honest, real conversation and connection. And I want that for you. This is the show that will help you do that and give you not only inspiration and connection, but will help you leave the superficial for good and form the real connections you're craving. Your story matters, and I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name is Anna Dimmel and today we are talking all about homosexuality and the Christian faith. I'm inviting one of my precious friends onto the podcast to share his story with you. His name is Robert Arnau and he is not only a pastor, but he is also identifying as homosexual and his story is just heart gripping. I teared up I laughed at times. I just, I adore this human being and I cannot wait for you to meet him. We tackle a lot of topics in this episode, including those well-known clobber verses inside the text of scripture and how he has wrestled through them in his journey with his faith. So there's so much to cover in this episode and I cannot wait to introduce you to this magnificent human. And you may recognize his name from me mentioning him before on the podcast. Rob is not only a friend of mine, but he is also a Patreon supporter of this show. So, so many of the episodes that you have enjoyed listening to, he has played a part in. So I am so thankful to him and I'm so thankful to all the Patreons who support this work. You guys are the blood behind this show. You truly are. If you would like to learn more about how to support the work of this show, you can find out more about that by going to my website, justajesusfollower.com and clicking on the button Patreon. Without any further ado, I cannot wait to introduce you to Rob. So here we go. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Today I am joined by Robert Arnau. He is a Latino of Puerto Rican descent who identifies as a gay cisgendered man. He says after years of soul searching, he reconciled his sexual orientation with his faith. Robert is a seminary grad and he's preached at many churches, has spoken on panels regarding the LGBTQ faith experience as a Latino, and has a blog called The Latino Gay Christian. Rob, say hello. Hi. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you're here. I just, I have so many questions. I, my brain is going a thousand miles a minute. <laughs> I love you. And we've chatted, of course here and there before, but this is going to be fun for us to like dive into some real topics. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. I just want to thank you for this opportunity. Like this is the first time that I'm actually like on a platform where I can just be as authentic and real with no, you know, no, nothing to hold back. And I really, really enjoy the work that you've done. So to be part of it is really an honor. Thank you so much. Oh, oh my gosh. It's an honor to have you here. I just adore you to pieces. So, okay. I have to ask for starters, 
tell us where you come from and what life was like for you growing up. Woo. All right. I hope we have like seven hours for this. No. <laughs> um, so I was, I was born and raised in the Bronx, New York. Um, I, I was raised by a single mom and a grandmother. My grandmother came from Puerto Rico and um, she came here. She was a musician and everything. And um, when, uh, when I was born, uh, my family, and when I say my family, it's, it's really the family that I've known. So like growing up, so it's my grandmother and my aunt with three cousins and my mom, they were already like full into church mode. Um, I was raised in the Pentecostal church, um, very conservative, uh, in the South Bronx, um, Spanish congregation, Spanish speaking, um, mostly Latino. And, uh, yeah, I, I was very involved in church. Um, I was very dedicated in everything. They put me in everything in, in, like, we had like a theater program and from early, from very early, from about four years old, my grandmother kind of saw my affinity towards music and I, that I had a talent. So she was a musician. She played the guitar. And at four years old, she taught me how to play the guitar. And I, from then on, I used to sing and, and play in church. And I was really like, I was like your stereotypical, quintessential, like good little church boy. Um... And growing up was, you know, I, I didn't know, I, I didn't realize until I was an adult how difficult it was, be, it was it was growing up. But at the time, like, my childhood was, was great very early on. Um, but there were some inner struggles that I had because from early on, like, I knew that I was different than most boys. And, you know, different in quotes is, you know, referring to my sexuality and i often struggled with that um and but i always had like this yearning to serve god and just to just to do the things that i felt or i was taught on how to be a good quote unquote christian um but um i really enjoyed it um i had fun with friends um but it was it was tough not having my father in the picture and you know growing up in a tough neighborhood and seeing things that probably wasn't the best but i was like oblivious i was like innocent yeah through innocent eyes um but mm. um from early on i i understood that the feelings that i had towards um towards boys like you know my age um that it was wrong um most most coming out stories that you hear from other gay men all often they they refer to themselves as saying you know i knew that i was different but i didn't put i couldn't put a name to it but for me it was different um because i because i grew up in a church that was um very judgmental of the others um i knew from the moment that i understood those feelings what it was and that it was wrong and wow. i I equated that with I was wrong. So, mm. you know, I, I struggled with identities of culture. Like I grew up, I was raised by, you know, an older generation because my grandmother, you know, from, from a different time, I, I identified with older people, but then I was also the first, like growing up in, in the eighties, you know, as, you know, trying to be part of like 
having good friends and everything like that. So I would think in the middle of identities, cultural identities, sexual identities, um, even gender um, roles and stuff. So it was it was kind of tough, but I often focused on like the good things and the positive things. So it was it was mixed. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I love I love that you like you said you come from this background that you now realize could have been viewed as difficult or tough but you didn't see it as anything other than normal and you have all these fond memories of your family I'm sure and your church back at that time it probably felt innocent enough I imagine but here you were dealing with these different identities and these different thoughts how did that play into the Latino part? Because you you title your blog, which I love the title, Latino Gay Christian. And so what what made that part of the story? Like, what was that part of your journey? So I picked that, you know, I, I, wanted, I wanted to have a voice that kind of meshed all those things together and how they influenced one, one another. And there's a lot of writings, a lot of things that I've read about the Latino gay experience from, uh, you know, from people who of a faith community, but it's all, always often written by those that don't identify as Latino or are from the outside looking in. And I think that the Latino experience for me, it still carries, it's still very heavy on conservative religious views. A lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of what I've experienced, and again, like I'm not. I don't want to generalize the Latino community. I'm only experience. I'm only expressing from my point of view and my lived experience. So, it, being part of the Latino community, a lot of traditions and customs are often driven by religious belief or influences. And, mm-hmm. um, like for example, like something as simple. I I I grew up where the man would not allow you know and these are things that i'm quote air quoting they would not allow women to walk close to the curb of the street because it was disrespectful right it was it was a sign that you were you know sell you're almost like the woman's pimp and you were selling her but that that came from the that religious belief of the woman being frail and weak and like the man has to be the head of the household and he knows best so right. growing up and, and, and then looking at the progression that we've done as um, in the LGBT community about acceptance and affirm, affirmation and tolerance, I find that in the Latino community because it's so patriarchal, it's so um, male driven and it's influenced by the religion, uh, mostly that we still struggle with things that maybe other cultures don't experience. Our coming out stories are still horribly difficult because Mm -hmm. not only are we disappointing our families um, because we're not living up to the maleness that we're expected to live up to but we're also going against God while going against like the natural order of things and that's completely influenced by religion um, and, Mm. and, and the generational belief of Christianity from the years as it's interpreted by all these people so I needed to I needed to put a voice to those who 
struggle or identify in, in some type of faith community, but also who are part of this Latino community where language is very gendered. Like our language is male, female, you know, there's no way to do it. And, and, you know, God is always male and, um, and, and things like that. So it's like you, you, you're gay. You cannot be, you cannot be considered a true man in the Latino community. Um, these are the, these are the stereotypes and, and the things that I've heard. And also you're, you're not in favor of God because that's not part of the order that this male God created. Mm. So I wanted all those things to overlap and be part of, cause this it's, it's my experience. And I know that it's the experience of a lot of my friends and people that I've spoken to because of this blog. So that's the reason. Okay. My empathy radar is like going off the charts right now because mm. I cannot imagine what that was like for you growing up, knowing, like you said earlier, you said you knew what was in you and it was quote, quote unquote wrong. You yeah. knew what you were feeling was so anti-God, so anti your religion, so anti your culture, and you're dealing with all of this. How did you process that as a kid? Because that's a heavy load to carry. Yeah, it was hard. Um, I processed it alone. Um, I often, you know, there was, we're looking at a time where it's, it's, it's the early 80s. So, of course, um, what helps solidify these beliefs that being LGBT is wrong is now this new disease, right? The, right. the HIV AIDS epidemic starts. And of course, you know, it was preached that this was a gift from God to eradicate all the thing, all the people and all these people that were not um, living up to the true standards of what God implemented for the people of the world. And so, you know, trying to, trying to stifle that and kind of deny that part of me, I, it was hard. And that's when my, you know, as early, as early on, I could always remember, I was always a sad kid. Um, and I always, I didn't, I didn't, I don't know if I would call it depression at that point, but you know, it was close to it because I was the only one, I felt like I was the only one dealing with it. And um, whenever we would have visitors in church that were either trans or that were, you know, um, that people identify as gay, they were ridiculed. They were kicked out. They were told that they were demonic. And so I was like, I don't want to be that. I can't be that. Mm -hmm. You know, how, how can I? And so dealing with that was very, I was a, a very much a follower. I always wanted to be part of the in crowd. And, and part of that was faking who I was. So I. You know, I went along with people saying, hey, you know, why don't you be this girl's girl, a boyfriend? And, you know, I'd be like, sure, of course. I love girls, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't even know what that was. So my viewpoint of having like even a crush was just distorted because I didn't know what that was. It was always forced. So I was mm. it was very it was very lonely in that part. You know, it never ceases to amaze me how we demonize things that we don't understand. Mm -hmm. And this is so evident in the church and it's so evident in your story. And, and it causes people like you to jump into the survival mode. You know, you just survived and yeah. it's amazing what you've been able to survive. You wrote 
um, on your blog, a post called Praying the Gay Away. Mm. And one of my favorite things that you've written, can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, that was the mo- that was actually probably so far the most difficult one that I had to um, write because I knew that I needed to write it because it's not, um, unfortunately, it's not an unusual story. Um, but it, of course, carries so much emotional weight on it because it, it was the culmination of all those years of, of suffering that I did as far as my sexuality. So I I call it praying the gay way because it, it references um, that that's a term that was used by a lot of these gay conversion therapy groups. Um, and it's essentially um, trying to it's a support group if you will, if you want to use that word, uh, for those who don't want to live as gay and want to convert. And I got to that point because I was having years and years and years of denying these feelings that I was having, feeling that I was wrong. Um, at this point, I think I was about, I was 21 years old. I already had, um, I had accepted the fact that I was gay when I was 19. But that acceptance wasn't that I was happy with it. I was like, well, uh, I have this issue. I have this sin that I need to help eradicate. So there were moments where when I accepted that, like I, I, I kept on going back and forth. All right, well, this is what I'm, this is who I am and that's it. Um, and I was living in, I wasn't living a both and life. I was living an either or life. So when I accepted myself as being gay, I, that was the same decision that I was like, well, I can't be Christian. I can't follow God. I have to turn my back away from it. But then after years of feeling that void, I was like, well, no, I, I, I miss God and I want to do the things for God. So let me try to change. I had already been in a relationship with my first boyfriend. Um, I ended it because I felt that God was telling me that this was wrong. And I needed to go back to him. So I had visited, I was visiting a bunch of churches and I visited this one church and I was going through in my neighborhood. And when I decided to end that relationship, I was like, I am gone ho. I am so ready to just be right with God. And I want to be heterosexual and I'm going to do it. I'm not going to put it off. I spoke to the pastor and it was the first time that I was actually vocal and I told someone I hadn't told other than other than my mom, I hadn't told many people. And um, I spoke to him and I told him, um, I feel like I need to do this um, in order for me to be right with God. So he said, well, um, there is this ministry um, in Manhattan that deals with exactly people like you. And. Um, he gave me the contact number and I was, I was thrilled. I was so elated and I want to describe like why, because here you are, if you have, you, it's almost as if like, you know, your body is sick and you know, there's something wrong with it, but you, but everyone is telling you like, this is not like, it's all in your head. And then finally you go to that one doctor that's like, yes, I know what it is. This is what you have and I can fix it. It's that same mm. feeling. It felt like I finally have an out to this sin. So 
my whole intention was I just wanted to be I just wanted God to be pleased with me I, I, I that was my only parental figure like I didn't have my father in my life so my father was God and to know that I was disappointing the only father that actually loved me I was like I gotta do everything in my power to just make him happy and proud of me so that's why I was so happy when I entered I started going through this support group it was very surreal because it was the first time that I was actually in the same room with other people who said that they were either lesbian or gay but also were Christian that wanted to you know pray this away and I went and every um every meeting was almost like thank you God for bringing me to this place where I know that you brought me um to and to, in order to be right and it was always part of like the conversation was always bible centered I was comfortable with that you know I grew up in Sunday school my mom was a Sunday school teacher and everything um but they used the bible as you know to use it against homosexuality the first time that I ever heard it like that and I was like okay and they always promised um redemption and deliverance that was always a key word deliverance from this sin and I think that um wanting to change so badly and understanding that I needed to be right you know um, that I thought I needed to be right um, that's what made me keep on going and hearing all these people's stories about their journey and how they came out of homosexuality was just um, it, it just made me feel like there was hope um, I started to feel that experience collapse when every we had to confess I had to confess to the counselor all of my um, thoughts sexual thoughts towards other men and any kind of experiences I had and as a result you know they, they told me that um, they referenced that term in the Bible when it says when you know when a man and a woman are married their souls become one um, they told me that my soul was attached to the demonic presence of all those relationships and thoughts that I had and so that I needed them to be exercised so they they performed like mm -hmm. little mini exorcisms on me you know referring to the demon of homosexuality within me and that I was like okay I guess I need to do this and but I you know I'm still gonna help I was still determined um, it was only when it got to the point where actually two other gentlemen have propositioned me um, wanted to take me out on dates, wanted like, to have relations with me, and I told the counselor, this is happening, and I think that if we're in a group like this, like, this is, this is definitely temptation, you know, spewing all the Bible, the church rhetoric, this is temptation, the enemy is out to get me, and blah, 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 and what I got in response was, well, there must have been something that I have done to tempt these people, um, mm -hmm. and and then I needed to pray. I need to pray harder. I needed to do things harder. I need to, you know, work harder. Maybe I wasn't putting a lot of effort into it. So I got angry because I lived all this, all these years repressing this, right? Trying to pray, being active in church, being this church boy, and God wasn't changing me. And then I turned my back on God, right? And thinking, well, I'm gay at 19 and I'm not going to be. And I was still unhappy. 
And then now I'm trying to change and go into the support group and putting my best forward, that best foot forward. And I'm confessing these things and concerns and I'm being blamed for it. So I was like, you know what? Damn if I do, damn if I don't. So I'd rather be, you know what? If I'm going to be damned either way, I'm going to live my life the way that I want to. And it's going to have to be without God. And I left that ministry. I left the church. I left everything of my faith, or so I thought. And that's when life got a little bit hard for me. I lived careless, made kind of like bad decisions, and which I now know that God was protecting me in all those times. But yeah, it, it got to be very, um, very difficult, even more difficult than that. that time. Mm. Okay, I, I'm listening to what you're saying, and I felt this when I was reading your blog. What you're describing is trauma. Like there, there's no other word for it other than trauma. You were it I, I just can't even imagine having to confess all of your thoughts and all of these natural parts of you and then being shamed and told as being demonic and all the soul tie stuff they were telling you, and then weaving in scripture to support this. Which for you, having that close relationship with God, it was like ripping apart that one safe place with God that you had. I just, these stories just absolutely rip my heart into a thousand pieces. So how did you, because if I were you, I would have done the same thing. Like, forget the Bible, forget God, I'm out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. This is not worth it. So how did you reconcile that? How did you end up coming back to that being a safe place again? Yeah, so um, during those years, um, like I, I, you know, was it was it was it was it was years of living on my terms, and but that meant um, I didn't like myself. And so when people have this self hatred, they don't have any value for their lives, so they just live haphazardly, and they may make decisions that are actually harmful for them. So I was unhappy. I was just being careless. Um, actually, my biological father had uh, come back into my life, and I was having some issues with that because I, I was very disconnected. And I didn't have the best. Um, my mom remarried, and I didn't have the best relationship with my stepfather at the time. And so there was some things that he was doing that kind of reminded me of what he was like, what he did when I was a kid. Um, that was also a form of abuse. And so when he started doing that, um, I started, I told God, God, I cannot go back to this. I'm unhappy with myself as is, but I can't go back to this cycle. And unfortunately, um, I had what, what, probably many would describe a, a nervous breakdown, mm. um, which resulted in me like smashing like glass shelves in my kitchen and punching out a, a window. And I, I cut, I messed up my arms really badly. Um, uh, thank goodness that, you know, when that happened, like my mom was there and she, you know, she was, it was, it was a traumatic experience. And, um, when I was in the hospital and 
of course they thought that I was trying to commit suicide and I was I was kind of a rational person and we lived on the second floor and I was like mm, if I wanted to do it like you know I don't know what kind of damage but I was just rageful I just needed to get all that rage inside me but my doctors told me you know you're very lucky that you didn't do any damage to your arms because you could have you could have damaged them to the point where they would be immobile and I could have lost the use of my arms now that hit me hard because my grandmother taught me how to play guitar and one of my escapes is music and I used to play for church and I used to play for God and that was my form of worship and the fact that I could have lost the ability to do that and to lose that connection with God but that God saved my arms and the function of my arms kind of made me finally say God listen I was happy with you I, I, I was unhappy with you and I'm unhappy without you I can't change this on my own I've prayed for other things in my life to change and you've worked in that but this one thing you haven't so I don't know if I even have to pray for this to change so I don't know the answers all I know is that I I want I want to serve you and I want to and I love you and I hope that you love me so if you want to change this you're gonna have to do it because I can't do it but I'm gonna live and try to search for who you are and from that moment it felt like the floodgates open and it was almost like God saying finally you are praying something that I want to deal with like you didn't have to pray for me to change you because I made you who you are and from that time on, it was almost like me rediscovering who God is. It was years me, you know, reading and visiting churches until um, my therapist actually mentioned this particular church that was very affirming. Um, and I went there and I remember sitting in the back of the church and um, I don't know if you relate to it, but maybe a lot of conservative, those who live in conservative Christians, like they always say, well, don't sit in the back because that's where the devil lives. <laughs> So I was kind of like, well, you know, whatever, you know, I'll sit back here. And I prayed, I said, God, if you, this is where you want me to relearn who you are, and this is where I am to grow in faith, you have to give me a sign. And this is kind of my last straw. Um, I need to know that you're here and you're listening. And so give me a sign. And here I am like telling God, this better be an obvious sign because it can't be like, you know, still small voice. I live now in the still small voice. Back then, I needed to, it to be loud because I didn't want it to be, I didn't want to say, well, oh, that was just me thinking it. Right. So I'm saying, God, you know, let it be something obvious. And the next probably minute after and the choir started singing, they started singing this Spanish, meaning, meanwhile, it's the English speaking church, this Spanish uh, church song that I used to sing growing up in the church that I grew up in it was a very simple song and I took it as God saying I want you here welcome back home mm. you know it, it felt very familiar and I bawled and I'm like okay so I will learn who you are for me and from that on that day on I started to deconstruct and break down all those walls of theology and religion that I grew up with and actually was like who are you to me God I want to have I want to know who you mean to me I don't want to mimic anyone else's experience I don't want to mimic anyone's God and 
we are here today where I know the God that I love and that I'm okay. And God made me who I am and and God loves me. There's nothing I need to do. That is beautiful. That that picture that you painted of you sitting on that back row is just beautiful. And and I love it when we connect with God in the still small quiet, but I love it when we connect in big loud and showtime here we go. I love that. Yes. And um yeah. Okay, so I want to, because you tapped on your deconstruction journey and your mm-hmm. wrestling out the theology piece of things, I want to dig into that a little bit because I know that a lot of people who, like me, grew up in church just like you, and there are all these verses that so many people get stuck on, and they don't know how to reconcile the pieces that you've reconciled. So so how did you go through that process? Like, what did you do with all the verses that people would typically use that said, this is a sin? How did you move through that? I wasn't able to move through that until I actually accepted the fact that the Bible that I was reading is a result of interpretation and mm-hmm. that it's not as perfect as I was raised it to, to believe it was. And that was really hard. That was really hard for me to accept because one of the things that we were taught was never question God and never question the Bible. And the Bible was the infallible word of God. And that's it. And what was in there, that's, I mean, for goodness sake, like the Bible was taught to me that it was an acronym, like basic instructions before leaving earth. Oh my gosh. I've never heard that before. That is so funny. I've never heard that before. And, and and it was always, like, taught to us like that. Like, wow. if, if God wants us to know who God is, then he made it very specific and clear, and it's written in the Bible. And so for me to question things, that was that was hard. But I actually am very, like, grateful to God for the, the faith leaders that were in my life at the time to help me understand the meanings of things. And I didn't want you know of course i wanted to know about the stories and where the origin came from but i came in there i was like look i was taught that being gay was wrong you're saying it's not tell me why um and yeah and so we started that's when i started studying the word more but not only using the bible but using you know other resources and history understanding history and understanding why things were written the way they were written back then and who wrote it and I kind of got to that acceptance when I was like, when did Jesus ever say anything about homosexuality? If we are Christians, that means we have to, we are to follow the message of Jesus. Then let's follow the message of Jesus. And there's nothing that he ever said about that. And, you know, the, the, the clobber passages, how they're, how they're always taught to us. You know, those, the, the ones in Leviticus, the ones that Paul wrote, you know, they're all up for, they're all because of a tradition. You know, the, the, the laws in Leviticus were written because the people at the time, the people of Israel at the time were in the midst of other ethnic cultures, other cultures, and they needed to solidify their identity. So they're like, okay, in order for us to different, in order for people to differentiate us from others, we have to follow these laws don't do this, don't do that. And one of them was don't engage in what is interpreted as homosexual, as homosexuality. But then I, within that, those Levitical laws, 
it also says don't eat um shellfish and i'm pretty much certain that there's so many people that probably go to red lobster that go also go to the church but nobody chooses to do that it's only when people in power who know for a fact that they're not going to commit those sins that they become a sin mm. so if you are truly heterosexual you're not going to commit any homosexual acts because that's not who you are so that's the ultimate sin that's a sin and that's it but yet this whole shellfish thing oh no that's up for interpretation so why can that be up for interpretation or that why ha can that be questioned based on tradition and history but the others can't so don't be a shopping cart christian and, and and pick only the things that are good for you and if we look at the new testament what was this what paul was describing who's the only one that actually mentioned that um was rape he was surrounded uh by other cultures particularly greek cultures and roman cultures and what he saw was people in power military power older um, soldiers who were abusing and raping young boys in the temple and he was saying don't do that but because of interpretation mainly done by you know people in power and and, and generational and um specifically any kind of interpretation of the bible by done by male dominated white european people of descent it, it was interpreted interpreted as homosexuality but yeah we have the story of jonathan and david right that gets beautifully described and it says you know um when jonathan died jonathan gave his life for david and david says you know jonathan you love me more than any woman so how can that love between two men be described so beautifully and be included in the bible but yet paul says that's wrong like i was confused so what i decided to think about was like love is what's celebrated love is what's honored what paul was writing about wasn't an expression of love it was abuse mm -hmm. that took many years and many you know deep conversations to realize that okay well now i'm going to read the bible in the message of jesus if it doesn't convey love it probably is not the word of god because if we come down to it that's why i love the, the, the title of your blog just a jesus follower it says in john 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god so we know that the word described there is jesus so let jesus be the word of god right. not a book gosh that's so good you just solidified so much of what has been my journey on this topic and what i think a lot of people mm. are currently figuring out and wrestling with and questioning and all the hard work that you put into a subject like this I remember when I researched the same passages that Paul talks about and learning about the raping of the young boys and that he was referencing that. And of course, he should have stood up against that. That's horrible. Um, we would mm -hmm. hope that religious leaders would still speak up about that, but that is a whole nother topic. Um, yeah. but, but I, when I read that and I learned that, I was just broken because I saw 
the sense that that made, and I saw the cultural context that that had, and then I saw how misused and misunderstood that verse that verse has been. Um, and then you mentioned Jonathan and David. I remember when I first studied the book of Ruth and in the passage where she's talking um, to Naomi and she's telling Naomi, where you go, I'll go, where your people will be my people. Remember that whole passage? And um, yeah. and it's a passage that many people use in marriage ceremonies, which is quite ironic. A lot of pastors <laughs> preach this passage in heterosexual marriages. Um, but it says, you know, when Ruth clings to Naomi, that word cling is only used in one other passage in scripture. And it's the one where God is talking about a, a woman will leave her family or a man will leave yes. his mother and cling to his wife. Yes. And I was like, what? How have we mm-hmm. not, how have we missed this? This is like an obvious token here. <laughs> this is an obvious yeah. existence of a love between, like you said, David and Jonathan, a man to man and Ruth and Naomi that we just, like you said, cherry pick, we just kind of glaze over these passages instead of really digging and wrestling. Because when you dig and wrestle, it is hard to not see this. Mm-hmm. It is because you're, you're, you have this veil over your eyes. You know, you've been, especially if you've grown up in, in this type of environment, you're, you're told this is right. You know, this is, this yeah. is right. And in order, if you want these good things to happen, you know, you have to follow these rules. And of course, as a kid, you know, that's that's all that, that there is. There are rules to follow. And so if they're saying, well, if you want happiness, this is what you need to do. If you don't do it, then you get you have unhappiness. And of course, you're going to follow those things. And, you know, Naomi and Ruth is a good example. It's like you never in, in that culture, like uh, you would never, a, a woman would never go and, and, and leave everything to not be, but not to not go to a man to go to her husband and or go to another another male to 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 create a family you know they created a family together right and yeah and many people many people can say well jonathan david and ruth and i well they were just really good friends and everything like that i don't think well no like you have to look at the context of it you have to look at the words and of course, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go into theological debate with um, Sunday school ed- educated people because all they know is what they've been taught, and I'm not saying it's it, that their faith is wrong. It's just not the, my truth. Yeah. Um, because you only do what you're taught, and if you don't know any better or you don't any different, I should say, you're you're, you're gonna you're gonna follow what you're taught. So. When I realized that those things are up for interpretation, I was like, well, what is what else is? Right. And then the journey begins. And then the real yeah. rabbit hole begins. Because once you go down, mm-hmm. it's like you just keep digging and you keep digging, which to yeah. me is the beauty of the mystery. To me, that's mm-hmm. that's what keeps me coming back to my faith. Because if I could wrap it up and put a bow on it, what is there to keep searching for? Right. And if we look at God um, solely as what's talked about in the Bible, then that's limiting God. I always say the God that's in the Bible is the starter starter kit God. It's like it's God is so much more than what we mm, That's so good. Okay, so I have a question for you. Um, I'm noticing, and I'm sure you are noticing as well, that there's a big push in the evangelical space of doubling down on being 
followers of the word and anti-culture. And, and I see this come up in my newsfeed. I see this come up on Facebook posts with people where pastors are really screaming almost at their congregations that we cannot ignore the word of God, even if it goes against culture. And I, of course, have an inkling that it's about, of course, they're talking about the LGBT community. So why do you think people in leadership get so riled up about this particular topic? Well, so I always try to see the good in people. We we were all made in the image of God, so we have this goodness inside of us. So whenever I hear this strong push and this, you know, let's call call it what it is, this hate speech, I always want to see, well, why, right? So I know that the intentions of these people that are spewing this hate, I know that their intention is good right because they're saying they want us they want our salvation to be secured right right and so they're trying to they're trying to say don't do this or you know we need to resist this because we have to um we have to secure our salvation so although their intention is good this is where impact is important it's like the message that they're delivering is being received and not it's not well received. So I think that the focus, like the reason why people are focusing this on so much is because they, it's because of fear. They don't understand. Mm. You know, they don't understand. It's it's the same umbrella of this whole issue with immigration now and the way our leadership, this country's leadership is going to. It's like whenever you're fearful and you don't understand anything, you tend to to have anger or you tend to have negative emotions to it. And I think that the possibility that we all could be children of God and love for who we are is so foreign. It's so foreign. And and it's, it's, it's as a result of religion being used to detach people's soul from the meaning of what, Jesus meant, you know, and it's years of oppression and using the word in a negative way. They are fearful. Um, People don't understand. If only these leaders would understand that the same fervor and fire and passion that they have for this loving God that they have is the same that lives within me, lives with every other LGBTQ plus person that, that identifies that faith. And even those that don't identify with any kind of institutionalized faith, like they have the same breath that God blew into the first human that he created into every one of us. We all have that love. If only they realized it. If only they, and they did, they're just close to not wanting to open up. And understand that we all have that. We all are love children of God. Oh, I love that so much. That is such a good perspective. So what would you say to someone who's listening to you talk right now and they don't understand the LGBTQ community? They don't know anybody. Maybe they've not had that close experience with a family member, but it feels like a topic that they don't know what to do with. What would you say to someone about that? What would you want them to know about someone like you? 
I know that a lot of the things that um, they experience and and they go through as being Christian based on their doctrine is hard. Um, there's a lot of talk about suffering because of the cross. Um, there's a lot of things that we go through by standing up for what we believe, you know, push religion aside, um, that we should stand up for if we think it's right for our lives. What I would say is get out of that comfort zone. Pray that God can guide you out of your comfort zone and go into these communities that are affirming. Go into LGBT organizations. Try to understand the struggle and the effect and the trauma that people in our community have endured um, at the hands of society and also at the hands of um, religious leaders. And try to understand what is the ultimate um, goal of everyone. Um, I think that they would find that you have a strong community that's out there for the same justice that anyone would want. Um, we all look for happiness. We all look for this favor of God. And if we only were, if they were only open their eyes and their hearts, the way that God created their hearts to be, to welcome everyone and understand that we all are accepted, that we all are accepted in the eyes of God. Mm. And that if God is love, and we are supposed to be representations of that love, then let's act accordingly. You know, you don't, I, I don't want to push my, my, my beliefs on anyone. I don't want to force anyone to accept anyone that they don't feel comfortable accepting. But one of the things that I would love is for just try to understand, try to be in the midst of that. Go to a congregation or a church that preaches a different doctrine than yours does. Go to a congregation that's open and affirming and welcomes and appreciates and puts leaders, um, puts those in LGBT-identified groups in leadership in church. Because there's a lot of churches that say that they are welcoming of everyone. But the minute that you speak about leadership, then there are rules and they bar many of us from that leadership. So go into those spaces, those sacred spaces, and really feel God and pray. Pray to open up to a different experience. The disciples, when they started this following of Jesus, they were considered a cult. They were considered not the norm. And here we are thousands of years later, and it's one of the biggest religions in the world. So if they can live in, in uncomfortable spaces, and learn to love differently than what they've taught, then I think that we owe it to ourselves to try to do the same. Mm. Oh my gosh, that's so good. I, I wish I could just record that one spot and play it over and over and over again, because <laughs> that was so <laughs> good. Okay, one last question for you, because I know that I have listeners who identify as LGBTQ and they they are, are in that space that you described earlier where they're angry at the Bible. They are angry at God because of the damage and the trauma that those two things have brought to their life. What would you say to someone in that place that they miss the connection with God, but they don't know how to bridge that gap to get back to where they're comfortable with any of it because it brings back so much hurt? 
first of all, I'm with you. You are not alone. My story is not just a unique story. It's a story that has been experienced by many people. We got to this place through trauma, through the anger. So what you're feeling right now, this anger, anger towards God, anger towards religion, anger, just anger or sadness or trauma, you are validated. You have the right to feel this way. You're, give yourself permission to feel these feelings and don't feel guilty about being angry at God. The one thing that I would ask is if you want to have that connection with God, all God wants you to do is to speak to God. Just have that, have, have that open communication with God. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to follow any kind of rules in order to gain or earn the love of God. Just by you being alive is enough of a requirement for God to love you. So don't think you have to live up to any kind of standard that anyone puts on you. You have to love yourself first. Know that you are worth it, that you have value. You are angry and it's okay to be angry. Don't let that anger succumb everything. Don't let, don't let it engulf you. Oh, have that open communication with God. And just seek, follow your heart, follow what God has for you. God can speak with you. God can touch you. God is in your life. God is walking with you. God is walking with you in the midst of your struggle, in the midst of your trauma. Know that the Spirit of God is with you. God has never left you. God could have left me a long time ago. God God was told to me, the, the, the type of God that was told to me was a God that would leave me if I didn't do what was taught. And that is not the true God. God is ever-present. He's always in your life. Keep that, that faith. Keep that faith in yourself and keep that faith that there is a God that's different than what they've taught you. He's not a condemning God. God is both mother, father, spirit, and you are not alone. And if you find that you feel like you are alone in the physical world, you have one friend here that can reach out. Reach out to me. Contact me. We'll have an open conversation. I'll be just here to support you, and I'll have faith for both of us if you have none. But God loves you, and don't ever forget that. Oh. Okay, Rob, this is why I love you, and this is why I wanted to introduce you to everybody. Because this, to me, you have such a pastor's heart. Like, that is what a pastor should feel like. And I and I hope that my listeners listening can identify with that, that if you're under leadership that doesn't feel like that, it's okay to leave <laughs> because yeah. you deserve to be seen and known and heard and connected with and held hands with and reminded that you are worthy and you're enough just as you are. That's it. That's the divine love that we know and that we love. And oh my gosh, I'm so thankful that you were on today. I just adore you. Thank you. I love you so much. And thank you for this opportunity. I mean, uh, it was a good, it was a good thing. Oh my goodness. Okay. Tell people where to find you. Where are you online? Tell them all the things. Yeah. So you can visit my blog. It's um, the Latino gay Christian.com. 
Um, I have an Instagram page with the same name, um, The Latino Gay Christian. Um, you can also email me at thelatinogaychristian at gmail.com. And um, yeah, I welcome any kind of conversation. Um, right now, we're, I'm, I'm introducing this, this series of three questions where I ask people questions about their faith in God. And it's, it's, it's a, a platform that I wish that, you know, my, my hope is that we all connect and understand that we kind of share similar beliefs, even if we think that we're weirdos. I'm the number one weirdo that I know, and I love it. Um, so yeah, that's where you can reach out to me, and I welcome all conversations, and let's just have a chat, and even if you just want to chat about life in general, um, I'm here for everyone with love. Oh, you are, and I can attest to that. You and I have some fun okay. chats. I love chatting with yeah. you. <laughs> I love our chats. Yeah. Our chats are fantastic. Okay, Rob, thank you so much for being on and God bless you and bless your strength and the journey you've been through. And you are just, you're one of my heroes. I just love you. Thank you. God bless you too. Hey there. I hope you enjoyed the conversation today. You can find my blog and links to my Instagram and Facebook account on my website at justajesusfollower.com. I hope you join us next week for another raw, honest conversation. In the meantime, go in peace and know that you are enough.